KCRW. This is Nocturne. The night is the perfect canvas for magic, as both the inner and outer terrain transform into something less recognizable, the mind opens and spirits find a place to land. The ancient Peruvian art of shamanism harnesses the mystery and power of darkness to aid in the healing of those who suffer. Eduardo Calderon was a gifted curandero, or healer, performing all-night ceremonies meant to combat the disabling effects of witchcraft and sorcery. Stephen Most was captivated by the charismatic Peruvian shaman. I'm Stephen Most. I'm a writer and filmmaker. Many writers like to write about what they know, but I like to write about what I don't know and explore the world as a writer. And one of my great explorations in my life, although I wasn't doing it explicitly as a writer, was going to Peru and meeting Eduardo Calderon. So this is my compadre in the photo on the wall, Eduardo Calderon. This is a sculpture he gave me, the lechusa, the owl of wisdom. And wisdom flies at night, as does ancient Peruvian shamanism. He was a student of ancient Peruvian culture. He had a job creating friezes on the city of Chan Chan. He recreated the technique of the ancient Mochica potters. Eduardo became very famous as a shaman in, in Germany, but also in, mainly in Peru. El daño sorcerers cause harm. And the kind of shaman that Eduardo was is kind of white magic that undoes the evil spells caused by sorcerers. So here's a book about him. The title is Speak San Pedro, San Pedro being the psychoactive cactus that is used in Peruvian shamanism. This is the text of the movie, Eduardo the Healer. This is the mesa, the all-night ceremony with its ritual objects. And here's a cover of Natural History magazine with Eduardo. Here's a, a whole uh, booklet about the sacred cactus of, of Peruvian shamanism. And now I'd like to introduce you to San Pedro, also known as St. Peter. This is a psychoactive cactus. It's in the Vescaloon family. It's used in the all-night ceremonies of Peruvian shamanism. On top you'll see this bud. It will become a flower. It's a very strange looking flower. The San Pedro cactus flowers at night. And it flowers for about 24 hours. It's this white, white looking shape. It's And the fact that it flowers at night perhaps inspired the idea of an all night healing ceremony using this psychoactive cactus. So let's see. I guess that's the show and tell. More on shamans, evil sorcerers, and the night in a moment. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you for listening to this KCRW podcast. In case you don't know us, KCRW is public radio in Los Angeles, bringing the best of NPR to Southern California. We're also known for our own brand of bold and innovative programming, evocative storytelling, taste-making music, and audio documentaries that are little movies for your ears. You can join our community to support this show and others, or make a one-time donation just to say thank you. Find out more at kcrw.com slash join. The study of psychedelic substances to aid in expanding consciousness and therapeutic healing has been increasingly popular among parts of the mainstream psychological and scientific community. Michael Pollan's recent work, which includes his own use of mind-altering aids, has been widely praised. This isn't a new thing, though. Scholars in the U.S. first became interested in studying hallucinogenics back in the 1960s. Timothy Leary and Ram Das famously explored the use of LSD in this way. Outside of academia, though, shamans in indigenous cultures around the world had been using medicinal and magic herbs as part of healing ceremonies for millennia. In northern Peru, this practice was intricately linked to the power of the night as an aid to entering an altered form of reality. Stephen Most was a 21-year-old Harvard student who found his way to Peru in the early 1960s. An anthropologist he knew invited him to come along on her grant, even though he wasn't an anthropology student. The idea was I was to go to this coastal town called Moche, which happened to be, and happens to be, where the Mochica Empire was centered. And that's really all I knew. I happened to find one book about Moche, and in that book I learned about a, an artist, Pedro Azabache, who was a Moche Indian. He was a descendant of the Mochica, and he was painting his world the world of the Mocheros, which was rapidly changing due to the modernization of Peru. So I thought I'd write about him. I would get to know him and write a biography of Don Pedro. I went on and met Pedro Azabache, asked if I could live with him and write about him, and he said, encantado, enchanted. But I didn't know how enchanted my summer would become, because it was through Pedro that I met Eduardo Calderon. Pedro was the head of the School of Fine Arts in the city of Trujillo, the second largest city in Peru. Eduardo Calderon taught wood and ceramic sculpture at the school. One day, Eduardo asked me if I would come and visit him. He said he wanted to, to make a bust of my head. I don't think he'd seen anyone who looked quite like me before. So I said, of course, I'd love to do that. And that's how I got to know Eduardo Calderon. He was really extraordinary in, in so many ways. Not only was Eduardo a gifted artist, he was also a fisherman in the tradition of the ancient Mochica. And at 30 years old, he had 11 children. And very early on, as he was plopping clay onto this wheel, he asked me, do you know that I am a brujo? 
brujo meaning sorcerer, but it can also mean practitioner of healing magic. Stephen and Eduardo Calderon connected right away, despite the fact that Stephen had limited Spanish and Eduardo spoke almost no English. Well, let me tell you a little more about that first day at his house. His wife, Maria, brought a a bowl full of chicha, which is a corn liquor that Eduardo and I shared, saying, salud, 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 drinking one after the other. And then from a corner of the backyard, he pulled out the head and wings of a pelican. There was music playing on the radio and he invited me to dance with him. He had the pelican over his shoulders and then he would put it over mine. So we were impersonating this animal, having had quite a lot of chicha and having the best time. It was quite a a bonding ceremony that we had in Eduardo's backyard. So he, that day, invited me to come to a mesa, which is an all-night healing ceremony. The mesa, or all-night healing ceremony, that Eduardo Calderon performed is an ancient tradition that goes back 3,000 years. Performed by a shaman, or curandero, and his or her assistants, the afflicted come with specific complaints, most often resulting from being hexed by rivals. If there are physical complaints, a guinea pig is rubbed over the sufferer's body, and its entrails are read to diagnose the problem. Hexing would have been performed by an evil brujo or witch doctor, and the curandero's job would be to neutralize the spell. Stephen would go on to serve as Calderon's apprentice during mesa ceremonies many times over the years. Now, mesa means table. And I think that it is a term that comes from the appropriation of Peruvian shamanism by the Catholic Church. What the Catholics were not able to do is control the sorcerers who had power, who were able to attack people who, who became uh, assimilated into Catholic Peru. And I think that the shamans brought their ceremonies into the church as white magic to counteract the, the evil, the harm, that the brujos were doing to people. And in fact, the fear of sorcery actually killed people. People died out of terror of what a brujo could do to them. Most of the problems that came to the healer, the vast majority of them were were daño, sorcery. That's Douglas Sharon. In the early 1960s, he was a young archaeologist working in Peru and was dating a friend of Stevens. Doug was intrigued by Stephen's stories about Eduardo Calderon, so he sought him out, became his apprentice, switched his field of study to anthropology, and went on to write his dissertation, which became a book about Calderon. Later, he would make a film about the charismatic shaman, entitled Eduardo the Healer. As a curandero, Eduardo is a descendant of healers who have plied their trade for over 3,000 years. Yet while the ancient curanderos tended every type of illness, mental and physical, Eduardo only cures such afflictions as fear, shame, insecurity, love spells, and bad luck from being hexed. The vast majority of the cases are involved with undoing sorcery. And so if you're a curandero, basically what you're doing is you're, you're releasing that spell. You're focusing the positive energies and marginalizing the negative energies. 
And what you're doing is you're helping the patient develop an immunity, to put it in our terms. First of all, by identifying the person who did it. And that right by itself can be a releasing mechanism for the patient to then, oh my goodness. So, and, and what'll happen is the healer will give a description of the person who has gone to the sorcerer and then help the, the patient with cleansing rituals and purification ritual and a bottle of magical herbs that they put together for the patient and give them this called a seguro, which protects them from further daño. The first Mesa that Stephen Most participated in happened a few weeks after he met Calderon. It occurred at the home of the artist who Stephen was staying with, Pedro Azabache. Eduardo came with an assistant to Pedro's house before twilight. Eduardo had this white sack, and together they laid out the objects of the Mesa. The Mesa is a portable altar used by shamans for healing ceremonies. The mesa is a ritual space. It's a, it's a square piece of cloth. It's white, so it's very visible in the dark. It's about uh, four feet by four feet. The ritual space is divided into three sections, representing good, evil, and the area in between. Various objects are placed in the different sections, some of which are drawn from Christian traditions and some representing indigenous earth aspects of the world. Multiple staffs and swords represent different spiritual vibrations. And these things are laid out in rows so that one has a feeling of order and organization. And uh, these objects constituted what I call a symbolic microcosm, that this represents everything that there is. Everything is on the same plane. In ancient shamanism and contemporary Peruvian shamanism, Everything, the what you could call good, what you could call evil, what you could call the area in between, the area of judgment, that's all on the same plane, so you can see it all, so that these forces can balance each other in a way that you can deal with. Eduardo would set up the mesa with a sea at his back. As a sailor and fisherman, he was linked to the sea and felt that it would protect him while he worked. So Eduardo told us that a brujo, an evil shaman, was working that night at, at a distance. So this was a little setup for the drama of the evening. Pedro had a relative of whom he was afraid, whom he thought was practicing sorcery on him. And this could be done by someone who's not a brujo, who goes to a brujo to, to hex somebody of whom he's jealous, for example. And I think Pedro was afraid. He was so successful. He was a well-known artist. He was head of an art studio, but he was also a mochero. And he was afraid that people would feel that he had betrayed his people. I don't know what the real personal relationships were, but uh, he thought there was somebody, somebody he knew, who was putting a hex on him. Pedro had some symptoms. I don't know exactly what it was, but it's certainly extreme anxiety that uh, he hoped the Mesa would uh, cure. A key part of the Mesa ceremony performed by Calderon and other curanderos from northern Peru is the use of a hallucinogenic brew made from the San Pedro, a large cactus containing mescaline. A six-sided cactus, which has the unique property of having a flower that flowers very rarely, maybe once every year or two at night. It's this white flower, it's kind of a gross shape. (laughs) 
It's really sort of ugly. It, it, uh, it's large, it hangs out, it's almost genital. It's really weird, and it's just there for a night, and then it sort of hangs limply after its night of glory. The San Pedro brew is made by slicing the cactus thinly and boiling the pieces for many hours with water to create a thick mixture, which is poured into a big jar that's then passed around for people to drink. San Pedro is, when it's cooked all day, is, is a thick liquid that is very bitter, very alkaline, and the taste is awful. And one does not want to drink it. One has to force oneself. There's also another way besides drinking San Pedro that one takes in hallucinogens. One has to drink this little potion when standing in front of the mesa facing the shaman. Drink this potion through the nose from an oyster shell. Everyone who stands before the mesa has to drink through the nose. This was a... Uh, not a pleasant task, but I did it. And it has some San Pedro. It had some tobacco. It had Pisco, which is a Peruvian liquor. You lift this oyster shell to your nostrils, to each one, and drink through your nose. Now, San Pedro itself, when you drink it through the mouth, can be an emetic. I and mean, people often vomit after they have it. It's not pleasant. But let me tell you, drinking this stuff through your nose clears out your sinuses. And there's this sense that you're just purging yourself. It's night. It's silent. You may have vomited. You have this incredible stuff going through your nostrils, making you convulse. So you're in a different state of mind. And in the darkness, the one thing you see most brightly is the white turban on Eduardo's head. The feeling of having San Pedro, the, the unpleasantness doesn't last very long. You, you drink it, it tastes bad, then it, it enters your body. And, and then, of course, comes the interesting part, to see the psychoactive results of San Pedro. The major thing I experienced after drinking San Pedro was seeing these, uh, these patterns, these fractal patterns in, in colors. That was really interesting. But also what I, I felt that I experienced was a kind of psychological bond with other people there, even when they were people of a very different culture than myself. We seemed to be experiencing the same thing at the same time. And what I mean is that Eduardo, when he had a patient or a sufferer in front of the mesa, would want to know which of the swords or staffs corresponded to what was happening psychologically or spiritually in that person. And he would say that this sword vibrated. That would tell him which sword he had to pick up to help this person. And I seem to know, and others seem to know, it has to be that one. Yeah, you could see the, the staffs were, were vibrating, you know, they were animated. And, every, and the environment felt loaded with energy. Eduardo would say that the, the songs, the ritual, the ceremony, the invoking of the spirits of the past, of their ancestors, coupled with the 
very gentle, easy feeling that you get from San Pedro. It is very, very gentle, very, very smooth. There's no shock therapy involved with the mescaline in San Pedro. Well, this is actually an interesting aspect of my life because when I was at Harvard, Richard Alpert, who later became Baba Ramdas, and Timothy Leary were there, and I knew both of them. I was a research assistant for Richard Alpert, and he said, come back and work with me next semester and I'll take you to a higher level of consciousness. Well, I didn't see that his consciousness was so high. I was not impressed by the guy. And a few weeks after I'd finished working with him, he and Leary were kicked out of Harvard for giving LSD to undergraduates. I felt that having experienced San Pedro in this ancient ritual setting gave me an understanding of psychoactive drugs that uh, wasn't quite as extreme as many of the people of my generation at that time. Because many people thought it was a sacrament, it would change their consciousness in a way that would lead them to new worlds of understanding. I did have LSD, psilocybin mushrooms, and so on. I would say the major difference is that on uh, San Pedro, at least in my experience, I wasn't tripping. It was part of a ritual context. The trip, if you want to call it that, was the Mesa itself, the all-night ceremony. It isn't known for sure why the Mesa ceremony happens at night, but the night is woven into the fabric of the tradition in multiple ways. Part of the power of the Mesa is the darkness. The Mesa unfolds in the dark. It doesn't begin until it's dark. It ends when the light comes. And I think a lot of its power has to do with concentrated light within the context of darkness. Your imagination takes over at night. Also, I think this is the kind of ritual which, which opens up your, your wisdom. It is done at night, mainly because at night the principle of transitoriality opens within the individual to receive and transmit his emotions. I think if, if you ask a shaman, he'd say it's because that's when the spirits are alive and the encantos, which are the animistic forces in nature, are most manifest. It's very strange, and it may be that people discovered the psychoactive properties of San Pedro thousands of years ago and then thought, well, here's this flower that comes out at night. Perhaps we can do a ceremony at night that uses this plant in a powerful way. The entire ceremony approximates the blooming cycle of the nocturnal San Pedro cactus. There are interesting symbolic parallels because according to the curandero, what you want to do at night is get the soul of the patient to open up like a flower and to bloom. In the day, all the things we see distract us. And I think that having a mesa at night, having this ceremony at night in the darkness, takes us away from our daily awareness. With the aid of San Pedro, it takes us from our everyday kind of consciousness, and we become open to a new kind of experience. That first mesa that Stephen experienced progressed in the usual way. The shaman, his apprentice, the afflicted, and some other community members sat together outside in the dark. Eduardo laid out the assortment of ritual objects. Everyone present imbibed the San Pedro brew. The patient reported his concerns. 
He would open the mesa with a ravel which he held. He had music. He, he not only raveled, but he whistled. Then he'd start chanting this poem. And I spoke about the mesa as a symbolic microcosm. So is this poem. I go playing, you know, with my sugar candy. I go to the sacred mountains. I go all over the whole world. So with his song, he basically brought the whole world into this space of the mesa. When Eduardo said there was a, a brujo working that night, he said, you'll know that brujo is coming at us at our mesa when there's a light in the sky. And uh, so that is another dramatic moment, uh, a setup of what would happen later. Don Pedro appeared before the mesa and he and Eduardo divined the face of a relative of his who's jealous of him, who might attack him. And, and that's as far as it went at that point. This was getting on to be like one or two at night. And I was kind of drowsy. I was doing my best to stay awake. And then the people on the other side of the mesa were pointing. There's a light in the sky. And of course, I know that this sort of thing couldn't exist. I didn't even bother to turn around. But they kept going, look, a light, a light. And so finally, <laughs> I did turn around and there was a light in the sky. It was a kind of a, a reddish light over the trees. You know, I'd have a lot of San Pedro. I'm thinking, well, is this a collective hallucination? You'll know no, that Ruhu is coming, is coming at us when there's, there's a light, a light in, in the sky. sky. So more time went on, more chanting, more passing of the San Pedro. And Pedro had fallen asleep. And all of a sudden, Eduardo rouses him from his sleep, says, get up, get up, he's come. And uh, he instructs Pedro to go out some distance from the mesa and hurl himself on the ground with this great thud. And meanwhile, Eduardo grabs the sword from the mesa and it's like, you know, swashbuckling movies. You can hear the whir of the sword. It's, he's fighting this evil brujo. And it goes on and Eduardo is thudding himself on the ground over and over. All happening in the dark. You don't <laughs> quite know what's happening. And then finally, after this great struggle, Eduardo strides triumphantly back to the mesa and puts a sword in the ground. He has conquered this brujo. Pedro, much relieved, rejoins us. And that was the major act of the evening. A few hours later comes the dawn, and there's a ritual cleansing. Eduardo has a spray of scented water that he spews on each of us and he has a sword and he rubs us down with the sword. There are all of these rituals before he collects the objects on the mesa, puts them in the sack and leaves. Did the incantations and the sword fight and all the rest cure Pedro of the ailments resulting from the Brujo's hex? Was there even a hex? Of course, there's no way to know. But for all the talk about spirits and magic. Eduardo had studied for a year as a priest. He was a performer. And he understood his shamanism was 
was performance. He didn't believe in magic. He knew that shamans don't fly. He said the mind flies. And he created a situation which the mind could fly. And with the aid of San Pedro, I think uh, people collectively had the same kind of understanding in the Mesa. For Eduardo, shamanism was about therapy. One example from one of the mesas that I assisted in as his apprentice, there was a man who was very upset with his boss who was having an affair with his wife. And he didn't know what to do about this. I mean, what a dilemma, you know, if he calls the man out on it, he could get fired. And so basically he was really frustrated and he needed a way to deal with his feelings. And what Eduardo did was have him bring a photograph of his boss. And Eduardo lit a fire. He'd improvise. He'd create these special ceremonies for different people, given their problems. He had the man, with great ceremony, tear the photograph into strips, burn the strips of, of the boss's face <laughs> in the fire, and then stomp on the fire and put it out. I'm sure the man felt a lot better after that. The Mocheros, or indigenous people from the countryside, were not necessarily accustomed to talking about their feelings or their private lives. And that, I think, would be a function of the, of the Mesa. It draws people out who are having troubles. So Eduardo would, would sing, he'd rattle, some time would go by, uh, he'd pass the San Pedro around, then one person after another would stand in the dark facing him and facing the mesa. And the Peruvians that, that I met, these campesinos, were not skilled at expressing what was going on with them. Eduardo had to draw it out from them. And he did it by visualizing people in the dark. He would see what's on your mind. And uh, I remember one woman who was very distressed because her daughter had run away. She was, of course, intensely worried. And Eduardo saw this image, this avatar, you might say, of the daughter in the dark right next to her. And, but he would draw it out of the woman. He'd say, I see, I see a face next to you. It looks like a young woman. And the woman would say, yes, see, see. And he'd say, hmm, looks about the same age as, as your daughter. Is it your daughter? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Is there a problem you're having with, oh yes, she ran away last week, I don't know where she is, you know, and I'm so worried. So it would be this exchange that would bring out the problem. And then Eduardo would tell her that her daughter went off with this young man, but it was all right because she would come back within a week. And Eduardo said this with great certainty. And I'm certain that he did his research. He knew who this woman was. He knew <laughs> what was going on. He had all sorts of information. So he reassured her, and that had a healing effect for her. And it's not only the mesa, it's not only the psychoactive cactus, it's not only the, the guinea pig rubdown and the song, but the fact that there are people there from your community who are witnessing this with you. You know, because many... People who have psychological problems endure this alone. They feel whatever. They feel this rush of emotions they can't handle. They feel despair. And they keep it inside of them. But if there's a way 
without spending great amounts of money and time on a psychiatrist, to get together with your neighbors and to have this feeling brought out in the open, now all of a sudden it's different. It's public. It's creating a shared awareness. Everyone at the Mesa is experiencing the same thing at the same time. And I think this was part of the healing. Some people might hear that Eduardo Calderon didn't believe in magic and see these aspects of showmanship and say he and others like him are frauds. Yeah, they would. And, and, and they're wrong. I'm sorry. You know, There are hucksters. There are hucksters out there who aren't really real shamans. But uh, the showmanship is a very important part of it. Absolutely. And that doesn't make them a huckster. Shamans are performers. They are really, really good at it. The whole narrative you'll see between the healer and the, and, the, and the patient is a storytelling event. And these emotions are being brought up rather than being suppressed. And it's in the dark and it's easy to project all of this. You've got this healer who is very dramatic and very charismatic. And that draws the patient into that whole universe. I believe that curanderos are effective. I don't just believe it, I know it. I believe that curanderos, like mystics around the world, they do tap a very real alternative reality these are people who have developed that capability that we all have and are in communication with, for lack of a better word, the supernatural and are in a position to help other people relieve some of their burdens of living in this world. You've been listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. Nocturne is produced by me and was created by myself and Kent Sparling, who also composed the theme music. Nocturne is distributed by KCRW and also receives support from KCRW's Independent Producer Project, which is managed by Kristen Lepore. Thank you to Nick White. Many of the sounds in this episode were drawn from the 1978 film Eduardo the Healer by Douglas Sharon and Richard Cowan. Thank you to the University of California, Berkeley Media Resources Center for providing a digital copy of Eduardo the Healer. You can find links to the work of Stephen Most and Douglas Sharon at nocturnepodcast.org in the show notes for this episode. If you have an intriguing story about the night that you'd like to share, get in touch by email at hello at nocturnepodcast.org. You can also reach us on Twitter. We're at nocturnepodcast. Also, if you're enjoying Nocturne, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts. And most importantly, tell your friends and family about the show. Till next time, thanks for listening.